Go ahead and turn to Acts 18. We are going to continue our verse by verse study through the book of Acts. Going to finish it up today, hopefully. And to start things out, just kind of alluding to the text we're going to be in today, what we're going to focus on. I want to ask you guys, if you don't have a Bible too, raise your hands. We'll have some guys passing them out. Um, and keep your hand up. They'll come track you down. We want you to have God's word. And if you don't own it, you're welcome to take that as a gift from the Lord today. We want you to have God's word to read every day. So um, just to, again, allude to what we're going to be talking about today. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a fellow believer in your life say something? This is another brother and sister in Christ. But basically, you're having a conversation. Maybe you see them post something on social media whatever it might be, but you see that what they're saying isn't in accordance with what God's word actually says. Maybe contrary to it, maybe just part of the truth. Maybe they have something more blatant in their lives, like there's a sin they're partaking in that they don't know it's a sin. You uh, you know from God's word that that is something that's harmful and bad for them, but the way that they're partaking into it, it would appear that either they don't know or they don't care. Have, can you guys relate to that at all? Have you known other believers in your life? Nod, raise your hand. Okay. And, and you know, the, the reality is that we know that as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be the ones that help them understand truth. We're supposed to say something. And how many of you could relate to the fact that sometimes... Even though we know we're supposed to say that, we kind of wonder whether we should or what's the best way we should say it. Because, you know, truth is important. We believe in standing up for the truth of God's word. But also, we're to do it in grace, you know, out of compassion, out of care for the person, wanting the best for them. Because it's not loving to let somebody live contrary to the truth. We know that that results in repercussions that are harmful. So we want to say it, but we're just like, I don't know how, I don't know the best way, I want it to come across right. Can you guys relate to that? Okay, well, you guys aren't very loud today, saving saving your voice because of the heat. Okay, well, the reason I'm talking about that, because in today's text, you're going to see this exact situation happen, and you're going to see a great example for us to learn from and follow in the right way to kind of address somebody that, again, maybe they they don't understand the word of God, maybe they, they do and, and they're living contrary to it or, you know, have a partial understanding, but you see somebody in that case, they're a follower of Jesus, they love Jesus, but they don't know the whole truth and a brother and sister in Christ come alongside them to help them understand it. And so it's a good thing for us to glean from. Um so we were in Acts 18, verses 12 through 23, when we left off. And we saw basically Paul come back from his second missionary journey. And he came back home to share about what the Lord did on that. And then he takes off on his third missionary journey, going back to some of the churches he had visited before to check in on the believers and encourage them in their faith. So that's where we're going to pick it up. Let me go ahead and pray. And then we will go through this short little section verses 24 through 28 dear heavenly father lord god again we just pray for your blessing on your word lord we this is an important thing for us to learn because we know that part of the 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 great commission you gave us yourself jesus was to not only tell people the good news about jesus christ but also to teach them your commandments or basically teach them the word of god 
So it's a twofold command that you've given us, and we know that there's a right and wrong way to do it. And so we want to learn that right way, and we want to glean from what we see in your word to learn to do that. So, Father, prepare hearts for this. And if for some reason, you know, we have people in our lives that we you've already been burdening us to do, may this be an encouragement to kind of move forward in faith and follow the example you've given us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, verse 24. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, and he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So we're introduced here to this man named Apollos, who's said to be in Ephesus. Now, if you guys remember, this was the last place Paul visited in his second missionary journey before heading home. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. And it's the place where he left his two uh, believing friends that he, he relied on that were ministry partners with him, Priscilla and Aquila. He left them back there to disciple the new believers. So this is where Apollos shows up. And this Apollos was quite a gifted individual, according to this text. It says he was uh, eloquent, or the idea is he was good with words. He was clear and persuasive in the, the things he said. said he was competent in the scriptures. So he had a good handle and understanding of God's word. That would have been the Old Testament back then. And it also says he was instructed in the way of the Lord. And as we're going to see, he didn't have the full knowledge of Jesus, but he did have some understanding of Jesus being the Messiah. And then it also says he was fervent in spirit, or the idea is he was very enthusiastic or passionate about what he was telling people about Jesus, okay? And according to verse 24, the things he was teaching about Jesus was accurate though he didn't know the whole truth about jesus as it says he only knew the baptism of john which basically means that he only preached what john the baptist preached which which was most likely uh that you need to repent of your sin and turn towards the messiah who has come who was jesus that was the extent of what John the Baptist preached. And so he most likely didn't have an understanding of anything past that about Jesus, like mainly Jesus's death and his resurrection and the ultimate reason for that. All right. He knew he was the savior, but didn't know the whole truth on how he saved us. And it says in verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, even though Apollos had a limited understanding of God or of Jesus and who he was, what I want you to note here is it didn't stop him from sharing what he did know with other people. And he did so boldly in the synagogue, as verse 26 says, Probably similar to Paul, 
you know, trying to target these Jews because he had a good understanding of the Old Testament. So he probably used the Old Testament to prove to them that, hey, this Messiah you've been waiting for has come and his name is Jesus. Now, this is a great example. He gives us a great example to follow because here's the thing. So often our reason or our reluctancy that we have for not telling people about Jesus Christ is what we consider a limited understanding of who he is, right? But you always got to remember, and I want you to note this. If you're a note taker or put this in your mind mentally, because this is important to remember, because this is a 100% fact. There is always going to be somebody in your life that knows less than you about Jesus Christ. There is always going to be somebody in your life that knows less than you about Jesus Christ. They're most likely even being people in your life that know nothing at all about Jesus Christ. Or what they do know is extremely wrong because they've learned from what the world says, which is inaccurate. You know, uh, uh, Calvary Corvallis, they're kind of a, a sister church of ours, or we have strong ties with them. Their camp, their college group uh, made a video, uh, actually it was some time ago, but I, if we had the TV, I would have shown it just to show you guys what I'm talking about. But they were trying to demonstrate this to the church in that we can sometimes have a false understanding and thinking that everyone for the most part has heard about Jesus and they've made their choice that either they want to follow him or they don't. And what they did was they just randomly ran around the campus and they would ask these college students, can you tell me what the gospel is? Or can you tell me who Jesus Christ was? And 99% of the people could not answer that question or they answered it in such a way that it was not anywhere near close to what the gospel said. And what that proved was that by and far, the majority of the people on that campus did not have a true understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ or who Jesus was. In essence, they needed to be told. And I would say that that is the majority of the world. It's a lie from the enemy to make you think that everyone knows the good news already and has chosen not to receive it. And that's why we're all still here to tell people. And God gives us opportunities every day to tell the good news uh, of Jesus to people all around us. Because there's always, like I said, going to be somebody that knows less than you. And you're going to have two options when that opportunity comes. Either you're going to choose not to. And often the reason can be because oh, I'm not a pastor. I don't know enough. Or I'm a newer believer. And, you know, I, I know some of God's word, but I don't know all the theology. And I just, I just don't know if I can do it accurately. So you're either going to kind of take that stance or you're going to be like, okay, well, yeah, I'm, I don't know everything, but here's the thing. I know more than that person for sure. So I'm just going to tell them what I do know. And here's the thing, just like God used Apollos before he even knew the whole truth, he's going to use you because it's God, the one doing it. It's not us in the first place. Amen. So we need to remember that that's important. And it might just allow the Lord to fill in the blanks in your own understanding of him by doing that with the believers in your own life that he's put around you that do know more than you and become aware that there are things for you still to learn. As we see here with Priscilla and Aquila, who just so happened to be in the synagogue, surely not there to 
in a sense, learn from the Jews because they were saved. They were Christians, but they're there carrying on the ministry that Paul left there. And they so happened, probably to their surprise, to hear another Christian brother. And he's speaking about Jesus and they realize, oh, what he's saying is accurate, but it's only part of the story. And then they privately pull him aside to, in a sense, fill in the blanks to help him understand the whole truth. And that gives us a great example as well, as I mentioned at the beginning, of how to address believers that appear to not know the whole truth of God's word or appear to be living in sin in their lives. All right. The first question, and I want you to note this, too, that you need to establish before you ever talk to him about anything else, all right? If you, you know a believer in your life that appears to have an incorrect understanding of God's word or a partial understanding or they're living in sin, here's the first thing you need to make clear. Do they know the truth of God's word in the first place, okay? Do they know the truth? Part of our responsibility, as I kind of mentioned in the beginning as believers, is not only to tell people the good news about Jesus, but also to teach him his commandments or teach him his word it says in matthew 28 19 through 20 this is jesus therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit so tell them the good news that's how we make disciples share the gospel and then verse 20 teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i've given you that's the second part of the commission that we've all been given the main mission from jesus and often it gets left off But our job isn't to just save them and then leave them. But once they're saved, to help be a part of that process of teaching them truth of God's word. So that they can be further conformed to the image of Jesus. Because that's how he works. He works through the word of God. Okay, And every single one of us is at different degrees of learning God's word ourselves. But as I said already, every single one of us knows more than somebody else. In our lives and therefore are able to teach others. Apollos, at no fault of his own, only had a partial understanding. So he needed the other believers in his life around him to fill in the blanks. And I point this out because here's the thing we can run into if we're not careful. Sometimes we can see believers that have partial truth or they're living contrary to God's word. And we can think the worst And think that, okay, well, they must know God's word and they're just choosing to live in sin and not follow it. When really, what does it tell us we're to think if we're truly loving others? We're to be hopeful, right? We're to think the best, okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 7 about love. It's always hopeful. And what I mean by that is sometimes we can, again, see a believer in sin and think the worst when really we should think, okay, well, maybe they just don't know what the truth is and we should be first and foremost trying to establish do they even know what god's word says and they're unwilling unknowingly in sin or they're in ignorance because not like is like a, a derogatory way but just they're just ignorant of the word they don't know what the word says and i would caution us it's probably not good i mean in in the reality is There's a lot of reasons for this, but to just automatically assume that somebody knows the word of God, another believer knows the word of God, that's not a good thing to assume for a lot of reasons. A, we're all at different maturity levels. Somebody might be a new believer. They might have limited exposure to God's word. They might very much still be learning it. B, 
Maybe they come from a church background where I'm sad to say the more longer I'm a Christian, the more I see this. It, it, there's a weak foundation in the word. They don't really teach the word or, you know, Lord forbid they actually teach it incorrectly. But the longer I'm a pastor and longer I, I see people come from other backgrounds and they're so shocked that we just teach through the word of God. I'm like, what else do they do at church? That's what we're here to learn the word of God. That's what the spirit of God works through. And so because of that, in a variety of other reasons, they might simply just not know the word of God. Hence, it's that's why the Lord has them in your life, so that you can teach them. And we also, you know, with that, it leads to the second thing I want to note, basically. And I want you to note this, too. When, you deter, when you're trying to determine whether they know the truth of God's word or not, you want to do that by personally pulling them aside or having a conversation with them and getting to know where they're at. You know, whether that means asking questions, going through the word with them, but you want to personally pull them aside and do that one-on-one as a believer to a believer. Like we see here with Apollos and Quilla, do it to basically Barnabas. There's guidance in scripture in how we're supposed to, in a sense, confront people or talk to people when we see that they're living contrary to god's word it says in matthew 18 15 through 17 if another believer sins against you now some translations some copies of the manuscript don't say against you and and i think it's important to understand it's really just if anyone is in sin if anyone's living contrary to god's word if they're saying something contrary to god's word this is a guidance that's applicable it says go And I want you to note this privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you have won that person back. So it stops there. If you talk to somebody, you share the truth of God's word. and They're like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I want to follow that. Or maybe they're living in sin and they're like, yeah, I know that's true. But they have a repentant heart. They're like, "I, I really want the Lord to give me victory in this. And you're there to kind of pray for them and help encourage them in that. That's a good thing. That's that's what the Lord says. You've won them back. It goes on to say, though, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Now, that's it, it elevates. It makes it more public, but it's only with like one or two other people. And it's not for the purpose of condemning them or uncovering their sin. It's so that you have more people there to say yes if they don't take your word for it, this is what God's word says. This is what's best for you. This is where you're going to thrive so that it's to convince them to turn, to repent, to turn to what God says is good for them. And then it goes on to say, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or an unbeliever. Because 1 John 3, 6, 6 tells us that if somebody claims to be a believer and they, they, they blatantly live in sin, the idea is that I know this is what God's word says and I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. That, that there's something wrong there. That's not right. So it's if they if you elevate it to the church and that can mean a bunch of different things, um, you know, it can mean taking it to the church leadership um, you know, some churches handle that differently. That's kind of how we handle it here. But if it gets elevated there and the leadership talks to them and they still are unrepentant, they, they've, been made, it's, they've been made clear they say they're a believer and they're unrepentant, then basically they're to be treated as an unbeliever. 
believer. And Paul gives further uh, um, guidance on what happens from that point on. But here's the thing I want you to know. If she or she won't accept their church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. So here's the thing I want to kind of, in all of this, like talk about. This is exactly what Priscilla and Aquila do. They go privately and they talk to a brother that they see has partial truth, a partial understanding of God's work. And they go to talk to him privately instead of, oh, let's go talk to Paul about this, you know, and, and, and say, you know, like there's this brother and, you know, he doesn't appear to have a full understanding of the word. You know, what, what, what you know, like, man, isn't, isn't that like bad or, or like just talking to somebody else about it? They don't post it on social media for everyone, for the world to see again, because it's family business. It stays in the family. It stays in church. They privately just go to him and handle it. Now, there's a time when blatant, unrepentant sin in a believer's life is to be made more public, according to Matthew 18. But again, it's within the church. When we have family disagreements in my family, hopefully this is the same with you guys, too. We don't go broadcasting it to everyone. That's to be handled within the family. Because the people outside of our family don't have context. They don't know what's going on. They don't need to be involved in that. They might see something and totally think something completely different. It's within the family. And that's what it tells us to do. And always with the intent. Again, I need to harp on this because it's with the intent of restoring them. It's with the intent of giving them a greater understanding of truth for their betterment. Not to uncover them. Not to embarrass them in front of people. Not to, you know, condemn them in any way. That's not the heart behind it at all, because the only right reason for addressing sin in anyone's life is out of a place of caring for them and having compassion on them, wanting to save them from the consequences of doing things that are contrary to God's word by helping them understand the truth of God's word. And I've seen the enemy do a lot of damage in this personally, in, in the different areas God has called me to minister because of this order that's given not being followed basically the main if i could sum it up the sin or the incorrect understanding or teaching is made public instead of being handled private first and foremost and then what happens is the person that's guilty of it or has the misunderstanding hears secondhand that people have been talking about them and what does that usually make us feel? It makes us defenseful, right? Automatically back. If people are talking behind our backs, that's why I'm convinced God says, just go talk to them about it. It doesn't need to be anyone else's business. If they're just willing to receive and understand and, and learn from you, that's the best way to handle it. And unfortunately, I see a lot of the church guilty of this too in the way they address maybe sin nobody's saying it's not sin or false teaching and that the way they handle it is they go and broadcast on social media and they they condemn this church for doing this or they condemn that person for doing this and they make it the world's business when it's church business the world doesn't even understand they're deceived their eyes aren't open. They don't believe God's word is true. So what's good is showing them? Because from their standpoint, we're acting like the rest of the world and, and, and just sitting there and casting stones at each other. And the thing is, you have to wonder too. It's like, 
if we don't take the time to address the person, to figure out if they even know the truth, if we figure out what even happened, how do you know even what you're accusing somebody of is even fact? If all you, if what you're basing it on is secondhand information. Oh, I read it on the internet or I read it on a TV. We should know by now that you can't trust anything that you're seeing on TV or the internet without like ex- examining it closely, right? Am I right in that? I'm really trying to harp on this, guys, because this is such an important thing that the enemy has a field day with. And God gives us his guidance. And like anything else with God, if we just do it the way God says, then God will bless it. And it'll go way much, way better. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a time to call out false teachers and their teaching basically to warn others. But a couple of things I want to note about that. There's still a right and wrong way to do it. And if you want to look at a good example, always look at Jesus. Go to Matthew 23. I'm not going to go there right now, but the whole chapter almost is him addressing the Pharisees who were false teachers. And he does it in such a way where he's confronting them directly and he's specifically calling out, this is where you're going wrong according to what God's word says. Because in a sense, if you just accuse them of something and you don't give them the answer or the truth that can help them, you're not really helping them. And so that's a good example for us. To look at, And the other thing, Stephen touched on this a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you guys were here for his teaching. It's online. But I would encourage you to listen to it because he was defining what a false teacher is in the Bible. We have to remember in several places that a false teacher is defined as somebody that is against Jesus Christ. It's somebody that's basically leading people away from Christ and leading them to themselves. It actually uses the term as wolf of that person, all right? And here's the other thing we got to be care of, careful of. Just because somebody has different theology than us in a non-essential thing, somebody worship, worships differently than us, somebody even, I mean, if they're preaching Christ and Christ crucified, if they're preaching the good news, they're not against the Lord. And so if you start lumping everyone into this category of wolf and false teacher, Here's what happens. Nobody knows who to listen to, who really are the ones that they need to be worried of because they're drawing people away from Jesus. And again, you can address the incorrect thing by, again, going straight to the word and and, and kind of pointing out, well, this is what the word says without ever having to call anyone out that you haven't personally talked to. But if you personally know the person, then the best thing to do is go talk to them about it. See if they know the word. See where they're at. And our hope is when we share the truth of God's word with other believers the way God tells us to, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to convict them and they're going to respond and they're going to be sensitive to what the Lord is trying to teach them and it's going to be for their good. And that's exactly what we see happen with um, uh, Apollos here. It says in verse 27, and when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So despite being a gifted teacher, I mean, this guy, like I said, he's charismatic. He knows the word. What he's saying wasn't necessarily wrong. But despite those things, when somebody comes to him, a brother and sister in Christ, with a good heart to kind of teach him something. The guy's teachable. That is such a great example for us because what he does is he receives what they say and then he goes with this new information on on top of the information here that he had about Jesus 
And he goes on to share it in this area of Achaia. Most likely, that's uh, in, he ended up in Corinth because Paul actually mentions him in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. This Apollos guy is the guy that watered what Paul had planted. So like he thought of him highly. But he goes on with this fuller knowledge of Jesus and he keeps just sharing it. And the God allows him to be fruitful in his life to an even greater degree. And when I look at him, I, I, I think that was a good way to respond. That was the right way to respond because he could have had the attitude of like, do you know who I am? Have you read Acts 18? I mean, dude, you guys are tent makers. Who are you to tell me what I don't know? But that's not the attitude he had. He was like, oh, man, thank you. I didn't know that. And he received the truth. And it just increased his understanding and allowed him to be even more effective for Jesus in his life. And as the worship team comes up here, that's the last thing I want to end on. Because just as it's important to know how to address believers the correct way when they're in sin or they have a misunderstanding in God's word. And just as it's important to understand that there's always going to be somebody in your life that knows less about Jesus than you. So you can tell them there's always going to be somebody in your life that knows more about Jesus and his word than you do too. And so what that means is we should always be in a place of being ready to teach others, just like Priscilla and Aquila were and always in a place of readiness to receive from others. Always, especially when you're hanging out with other believers all the time, which is what a church family does. Because this is a continual thing that's going on when you're just sitting here after church and you're having burgers and hot dogs and you're sitting there and chatting with each other, talking about life as it relates to Jesus. That's what God does. He's using what you know to build and edify your brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's learning what you receive that you didn't know to build you up. To further conform you to the image of Jesus, which is the goal according to Romans 8. Amen? It's a continual thing that we always want to be aware of. Because as soon as you see something like in somebody like today, like they saw in Apollos, like, oh, that's not quite right. Let's let's talk about that. Do you know what the word says about that? And you help fill in the blank. Or they're going through something hard in their life. And you know a scripture that talks about a promise God has given them. And you're like, man, it's helped you in the past. You're like, can I share something with you? It's like, man, that thing you're going through, here's what God says about it. And I've gone through things like that. And God has shown me that this is true. He absolutely will keep this promise in your life. And then God uses you to encourage them with that truth they didn't know before. Or maybe you're the one on the receiving end of that. Where you're talking to somebody and you're sharing what you're going through. And they're teaching you something you didn't know. That's what God does continuously. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Well, the worship team must come up here, but nobody listens to me. I'm just a pastor. So as they come up here, just think about that in this response time. Okay? In this time of response where we praise God. We're going to have our prayer team up here. But maybe you're here today and you have questions about God. And I would encourage you, it's okay to ask questions, all right? You don't have to be ashamed. If you're struggling with things that maybe like, you know, there's hot topics going on in the world today, like abortion, and you don't understand 
like what God's word says about that. Or you don't understand why Christians are saying the things they're doing. Talk to whoever brought you. Talk to your family that knows God. Talk to your friends that are, you're here with that know God. And, and ask them, can you show me what God's word says about this so that I know? Maybe you, you're here and you don't even know who God is. Whoever you came with, whoever you invited, come talk to me. Talk to one of the prayer team people. Come talk to us. We'd love to tell you who he is. He gave us his word so we didn't have to wonder. Or maybe you're somebody that, you know, this is resonating with you because you have someone in your life that you know. It's like, man, I just was dealing with this. I have somebody I know that's, you know, is a Christian and they're a brother or sister and they obviously don't know this truth because they're saying things contrary to it or they're, 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 they're living contrary, so it appears they don't know this, or maybe they don't have a full understanding. And this is what the Lord wanted you to hear today. Just go talk to them about it. Talk to them personally. See where they're at. See if they know the word. Because God's put you in their life to be the one that fills in the blanks. So they can receive it and be edified, be built up, encouraged, and blessed. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much again for your word. I just think of things like this. Every time I come across these things, these principles for us to follow, I think of like all the times I've messed up by not following them and how it was right in front of me. And that's why we need to be reminded of it. I need to be reminded of it. You've told us how to do things. And if we just listen to you, you'll be able to do your work and change people for the better. So Lord, we want to be faithful to be those that are diligent to know your word and then put it into practice in our lives. So I pray that there would be opportunities just as we see here with Apollos and Aquila and Priscilla to, to build other believers up, to receive from other believers so we're built up, especially in our time together after service today when we break bread together and hang out and have fun. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen.